Well, we are wrapped up with the non-conference schedule for the most part. More or less. More or less. Besides, uh, besides uh, conference, uh, the 13th and 14th team in the conference, BYU and Notre Dame still have games left. That's right. But, uh, but we are finally made it to conference play. This is Best Coast Football. I'm Tim Kelly. I'm Cody Peterson. And uh, I mean, let's it, an interesting week. Uh, the North played a bunch of cupcakes and actually, for the most part, did well. I guess everybody did well. Did what? Yeah, well, you should all, do all, a cupcake. All but, all, but, all but one. And then the South saw what the North did in week one and said, uh, what, what's the popular meme? Hold my beer. Uh, I think I think it was more like a uh, when Harry met Sally, I'll have what she's having moment. Uh, so, yeah, uh, very disappointing uh, week one for the North. Uh, some might stay embarrassing, and uh, Pac-12 South got their uh, got their share of it this weekend. So, um, I, I wrote down the word carnage because I think that aptly describes what happened. Um, so USC uh, beat WSU in the sole, in, you know, conference game of the week. So US, USC was the only South team with a victory this weekend. So Arizona, Colorado, Utah, ASU, UCLA, all lose. Tim, I was, I was thinking we could go worst to first here. Let's talk about the absolute most embarrassing loss first and kind of, you know, progressively get less embarrassing as we go does that work that works uh what do you well but but it's, you know eye of the beholder what's the most I, I think i think it's pretty obvious what the most embarrassing loss was arizona losing to northern arizona was yeah. the most embarrassing loss uh now now once a team in each division has an fcs loss which is nice nice parody um i mean not know. to def- not to defend washington but at least they lost to a team that can actually win games i mean they northern arizona my uh, my parents were at the Northern Arizona game before this, where they played South Dakota and got their doors blown off by South Dakota. This is um, not a historically successful program, and an zero and two, you know, FCS program going into the week. Um, Arizona, as as poorly as they played, uh, had a chance to tie it up, um, failed on the two point conversion with two minutes left, and then Northern Arizona didn't do. They didn't run, you know, a flea flicker or something to get, you know, some magical first down. They just ran the ball right up the middle and Arizona could not make the tackle, could not get the stop uh, that they needed to get the ball back and and try to score. So uh, game over. Um, Really sloppy game, as you would expect if Arizona was going to lose this. Um, Both teams committed three turnovers. And both teams also fumbled an additional two times, which, you know, recovered their own. <laughs> so that was like <laughs> 10 fumbles, six, lo- <laughs> six lost. Um, Arizona's 0-3. I think uh, we were really pretty encouraged. They kind of hung with BYU and didn't get blown out. Uh, BYU's kind of looking better and better. And that, that score is, I think, a little more puzzling more, you know, as, as time goes by. Yes. Uh, they're 0 and 3, and they have yet to score 20 points in the game, Tim. And they've been, they've cycled through three different quarterbacks. Um, does this team have a chance to win a game? Mm, uh, I mean, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't know. 
I don't know when. October 16th, they go to Colorado. Colorado uh, is having equal levels of struggle uh, that, offensively true, against true. much against much better competition. Um, the only other game I could see them maybe, you know, sneaking in a win out. They're at WSU in November, November 19th. That, uh, those are both fair. I think those are both good. Um, yeah, I think those are both. Uh, winnable. We mentioned we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. They're still recruiting okay. Uh, you know whether that stands uh, as the losses mount, we'll see. Uh, but uh, you can always you can always sell the prospect of playing time. I think at this point. Um, but you know, yeah. I think I think given where the program was, I, I think Jed Fish has a long leash here and is going to have at least three years to try to you know, get them back to a 500 ball club or so. Um, but man, this is going to be, it's going to be a rough next couple of months in Tucson. Are, are they worse than they were last year? They look worse. I mean, after, after that first game, I thought maybe, you know, they, he'd kind of instilled some fighting spirit in them, but they just, uh, they just lack, they lack many things. Um, Anything else to discuss on Arizona, Tim? No. I mean, right. Northern Arizona had some guy named Harrison B. Miller who had four and a half tackles for loss. Yikes. That was – but that's – yeah, that's that was about my only notes from that. Okay. In my opinion, the next ugliest loss – I don't think this is also probably not uh, controversial. Colorado losing 30 to nothing at home uh, to Minnesota. Uh, things are Things are really – bleak for Colorado on offense um I think uh the most glaring statistic is that they finished the day with negative 19 yards rushing um I mean Minnesota seems like a solid program but um this is not you know it's not like there's like six future NFL defensive linemen coming at them they just couldn't run the ball and and so you know a lot of that's you know sacks and Tia like uh on, on the quarterback the, the quarterbacks were running for their life. Uh, I think, I think the off, obviously the offensive line is maybe their biggest concern. The defense is still decent. It's just like they can't, they can't hold up for four quarters when the offense is just going three and out. Well, and I mean, you're talking about the running Broussard touched the ball five times. And I mean, uh, we should feel like dopes for saying he would be the, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I did. I mean, he five only five times, but only eight yards. Also, so yeah, it's like true. you know, yeah. what are you going to do? Um, and, and their quarterbacks, twelve of twenty-four for eighty-two yards. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, the, the stats have to be rough if there's a zero on the scoreboard, right? I mean, yes. But even uh, by any measure, these are um, disconcerting results, um, and and I think you also worry about quarterbacks getting swapped in and out and stuff and you it's really hard to get get in a rhythm that way so um yeah i mean these 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 two teams are in my mind obviously they haven't played a conference game but i don't i'm not i don't think we're gonna be talking about them when we talk about potential conference champions at this point i I think we've seen enough no and i i mean they uh not to foreshadow, but this could also be uh, the um, 
the seats could be getting hot. A seat could be getting hot in Colorado. I don't know how much money they have, but. Um, All right. Moving on to the next embarrassing loss. Utah lost at home 33-31 to San Diego State in triple overtime. <laughs> um, we talked about San Diego State uh, being successful, pounding the rock uh, against Arizona. Utah, who I think, you know, we typically think of as a, as a physical discipline defense, didn't actually fare that much better. They got outrushed 204 to 70 in this game. Um, Utah actually wound up in aggregate having more first downs and yards. Um, San Diego State won this game passing for only 44 yards, but they just, they, they just won the ground game. Um, I don't think there was actually a big turnover discrepancy as well. It's sort of, you know, when you look at the score and the, the score, the score and the stats starts to get muddled when you get into triple overtime, right? But um, both teams turn the ball over once. Yeah. So, you know, you look at the score and you're trying to like, you just kind of scratch And I don't think there was a major, um, you know, Utah actually had a major special teams play. I mean, just, you're looking at the stats trying to figure out how San Diego State won this game because, you know, most, you know, most offensive statistics, Utah was actually better. Um, I mean, they, they had more total yards, put it that way. They just threw the ball and, and San Diego State ran the ball. Um, but, you know, Charlie Brewer was uh, ineffective. Uh, they were <laughs> down 24-10 mid-third quarter when they finally pulled, pulled the cord and, and subbed in Cam Rising. Um, you know, I think the first three drives he was in, he really didn't do much better. Uh, those, those three drives, they got a total of 44 yards on 15 plays, punt, punt, turnover on downs. Um, you know, it was still... 24-10 with six and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then uh, Rising finally kind of caught fire. So goes six for seven on a 63-yard drive. Uh, he runs it in himself from four yards out. They missed the PAT. So there's 417 left. They're down eight. They force a punt, get the ball back with 236, 236 left. And, and they go down and drive again, 74 yards and 13 plays. They score with 16 seconds left. And they get the two-point conversion they need. Um, big catch from one of your favorite names, Connor O'Toole, uh, <laughs> gets, gets the two-point conversion um, to tie it up, and they go to overtime. Uh, both teams scored touchdowns on, in the first overtime. Both teams missed field goals in the second overtime. And then uh, you know, the rule, in, instead of um, you know playing from the 20th, five it's it's just two point conversions after that once you go into triple ot and uh san diego state get, has the first opportunity and they ran a philly special did you see that play i did yes um yeah. so pretty pretty gutsy um when you, you get one play to score and they ran a, a philly special i got it and then cam rising um you know threw a little bit low um kind of in the flat in the end zone to connor tool and i think I think upon review pretty clearly was not a catch. Uh, I think, you know, the first couple replays looked like it was debatable. And then, you know, there was a a very specific angle that showed, you know, he it was pretty clear. He didn't have full possession and the ball was kind of trapped against the ground. Um, So tough break. Didn't just, just a little bit shy of at least, of at least forcing another OT. 
Well, and then the big news uh, as of uh, this recording, Brewer is now leaving the Utah program. Yeah, I, I guess that he's got a limited timeline to pull a ripcord to have another season in college. So that's that's the motivation. It just seems like it's not like Cam Rising. I mean, yes, he led two late touchdown drives, but it's not like the writing was on the wall that like he was probably going to get the start next week. But like, you know, <laughs> to me, there was no, no I didn't see anything in this game. It was like, well, uh, Charlie Brewer was never going to get another shot. You know, I think yeah. he could have theoretically Ryan, played his way back, you know, into the starting role over time. But and Rising himself also a transfer. From, right from Texas. from Texas so so um I don't know I well and if you're if you're Brewer do you really want to transfer to another I mean shouldn't you just try your hand in the draft yeah like is is another season under in, in some other program under you know with a new system what are your odds of improving your your stock I, I don't I mean, know yeah if he if goes to Mississippi State does that improve his stock? And he's got four years of tape from Baylor. So it's sort of like you are what you are, man. Like go to the league. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. But I'm obviously not a sports agent. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and it shows. Tell me this. This was this game was in San Diego. Why? Why is a Pac-12 team playing a home and home with a Mountain West team? Uh, I mean, well, I would. Say- <laughs> I I would say it's not common, but everybody's always done home and homes with BYU, who used to That's be true. a Mountain West team. Um, yeah. And they used to play it when Utah. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing maybe because they were – I believe San Diego State's playing at their new stadium. So maybe this was one of those uh, deals mm-hmm. where maybe they give two homes to Utah and one to San Diego State. I, I don't know that deal of it but yeah no i mean it, it's funny you mentioned that i saw a, a stat or no i saw an image uh yesterday that it uh it's been 30 years since the university of florida y- yesterday was the 30 year anniversary of the last time the university of florida played on the road for a non-conference game not not a neutral side goodness gracious and it was at the carrier dome against uh <laughs> <laughs> against the Syracuse but it's been 30 wow. years so you know to your point <clears throat> why is Utah uh yeah that they've traveled out of the state of Florida because obviously they would used to play my Miami or you know they play Miami right right but like you know yeah that's wild that's not to make excuses I mean Utah if <laughs> oh no 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 but but I mean it's just like not that Utah is Florida, though Florida did poach Utah's good coach Urban Meyer at one point. But, uh, you know, that it, it gets to what we talk about all the time uh, as uh, Pac-12 honks. Why schedule these games? Because you know nobody in the SEC is going to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just seems like um, lots of potential downside, not a lot of huge upside and you know, why wouldn't you want the home game and the, to sell the tickets and all that? But yeah. okay. It is what it is. Um, all so, right. Number two. So what in is my, number two? So I actually, I'm, I flip, I flip flop these several times. I think, I think ASU's loss, uh, even though it was on the road and to a, a team that's now ranked BYU, I think, 
I think it's worse. I mean, it's, it's a 10 point margin. Yeah. Um, and I think just visually, if you go watch that game and you can if you go to the Pac-12 network and do the, you know, game in 60 minutes, ASU, they, they look like a team that has had multiple coaches suspended you know, <laughs> soon, you know, within, you know, a few weeks of the season. Um, yeah. Just super sloppy committed four turnovers and had 16 penalties for 121 yards. Um, they actually had more rushing yards and more passing yards than BYU, but they were just so sloppy. And so, um, you know, this is also just kind of like <clears throat> similar, like a familiar storyline uh, for, for BYU and, you know, beating Pac-12 teams the last three weeks it's been turnovers. I mean, that is oversimplifying it, but I think they, they won the turnover battle one to nothing against Arizona uh, two to nothing against Utah last week. And then four to two this week. So, you know, a combined, you know, turnover margin against the pack 12, seven and two, seven to two. And so, you know, that, that adds up to three wins. Um, but Jane Daniels was okay. He threw for 265, 21 for 29. But he had two picks, yeah. um, and nine of those completions were to Rashad White. So a lot of dump off type stuff, um, you know. So it's not like he was picking apart the secondary. No, and what? What? what it, do yeah. you do you agree with me or disagree with me with no, regards to this being? I, I agree with you. I mean, you you just look at the numbers. I mean, it's just again, why is why are they getting? Um, um, they, they lost two fumbles. So I guess really they lost the turnover battle pretty big. And like, yeah, so it's four to four gonna to two. Be, that's going to be, that's going to, that's why you're going to have that 10 points. Um, you know, and just you watch the first half. And, and, and like I said, the penalties, I mean, 16 penalties. That's, yeah, that's, that's, you have to almost be trying to commit that many penalties. But I mean, the game was over in the first minute. I mean, it wasn't really, but I mean, they fumbled that kickoff and then yeah, within 40 seconds, they're scoring. And then uh, later, it wasn't really over. Uh, yeah. Give ASU credit. They were down 21, seven at the half, um, you know, op to open the second half, they forced a punt and a fumble. They got a touchdown and a field goal off, off of those and, and got it to 21, 17. And then BYU, um, BYU's next drive, they, they actually, you know, move the ball, get down to Arizona State's 26-yard line. And Merlin Robinson, Robertson, who's one of their, you know, I, you know, one of the three or four best defensive players for ASU, has been the last couple of years, makes a really nice pick in traffic and takes off running 60 yards downfield. He gets down to the BYU 15, and a, I think a receiver catches up to him, jumps on his shoulder, and punches the ball out. Um, so instead of, you know, first and 10 at the 15, um, BYU gets, gets the ball back and, um, you know, manages to hold on for the win. So to me, like that was the, you know, the ASU fought back, they were down four and then they just, you know, unfortunately you got a guy that's not used to carrying the ball and he, he gets stripped yeah. and, and, you know, there was, there was more after that. I mean, ASU had another chance to score uh BYU you know scored and got up 27-17 um you know next ASU drive six plays nine yards they used up five minutes a clock 
three false starts and a face mask penalty on I, offense. I'm not going to let him <laughs> off the hook, though, because you, I mean, like in the close, that BYU was up 21 to seven. ASU throws a pick. You know what I mean? Like on a drive that they could have driven, it was the end of the second half, first, second quarter, first half. They could have scored and carried that momentum in. I mean, that's, yeah. I just think it was over in that, that first half. I mean, BYU got those two passing touchdowns. Nah, it wasn't over. They, they were within four points and had a, had a turnover and down to the 15 yard yeah, line. And they gave, yeah. They gave right, yeah. I guess I shouldn't say, I keep saying over and it shouldn't say over, but it was just as like, they're just Emblem, emblematic of yeah. what was going to continue throughout the night. Exactly. And so then moving on to your most embarrassing. No, least embarrassing. Least embarrassing. Sorry. Which I don't know. Uh, a Mountain West team beat a previously undefeated team. We're talking about we're talking about two teams, two now ranked teams beating Pac-12 teams. So BYU is now ranked. Fresno State is now ranked. Um, Forty to thirty-seven. I think. Uh, you know, I don't think I think UCLA's secondary uh, certainly did not play well in this game, um, and the D line did not you know, pressure Jake Hayner. So you could say, you know, the defense didn't play well. Um, you know, it was at home, but Fresno's good, man. I mean, they have, they have, I, I, to me, I, I, I see Jake Hayner as he's on a first round draft pick, but he's, he's going to get drafted based on the way he's played this, you know, this season, he leads the FBS in passing yards. Um, they've got a good running back. They've got a couple solid Fresno State has a couple solid wide receivers. Like uh, it's it's there's no shame in giving up some points to this team. I mean, they put up, you know, t- uh, they put up a bunch of points on Oregon as well and made that a one touchdown game. So um, I, I think the thing that you know still is agonizing slash frustrating. I mean, this was a heck of a game, man. This was a fun game. Like if you go rewatch the this fourth quarter was yes. exactly what you you want uh, and, and why um, I respect the NFL, but why I still think college football is more fun because just what, you know, more wild things can happen in my opinion. Um, big plays, kind of some wild turnovers and miscues for both teams. Um, both teams had huge fourth and one stops in the second half. Um, so I, it was, it was a fun game. I, it just, if you were a, completely agnostic college football fan um, is definitely worth a watch. Unfortunately, most people in the country can't, couldn't physically watch it because it was on the PAC 12 network. Well, it was, it was also the latest game and on the PAC 12 network, but yes, um, to right. the, the double whammy. Now I will say the biggest thing to me, uh, you know, not to question my uncle chip, but Brown nine carries, Zach, six carries. What are we doing here? Yeah, I don't know. Um, they they weren't. Yeah, they weren't super successful running the ball. Those fifteen carries only went for forty two yards. So I think, you know, maybe maybe Fresno was was crowding the line and they they figured they had to throw. Um, but but even for a game where they scored thirty seven points, it's wild when you look at Fresno. Fresno threw 54 passes and ran the ball 37 times. UCLA 
24 passes, 29 runs. I mean, they doubled them up on the plays, almost. Not quite doubled them up. But, I mean, they're running how many more plays is that? Almost 40 more plays than they did? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just some, um, you know, maybe UCLA made some bigger plays in the passing game yeah. at some point. Um, you know, this was a... So UCLA was down 23-10 at the half. Um, Mid-fourth quarter, DTR hit Kyle Phillips for a 42-yard uh, touchdown bomb, and it's uh, it's a two-point game, 26-24, uh, with Fresno still in the lead. Um, Devin Kirkwood forces a fumble on the very next play after that, you know, first, first defensive play after that. UCLA goes and scores on a short field. Now they're up 30-26 with seven and a half minutes left. And then it's just like exactly the way you'd want a game to finish. You know, you know, Painter goes down, um, leads it leads a long touchdown drive. Uh, you know, for, if you're a UCLA fan, you're just in agony because <laughs> they scored a touchdown on third and goal from the twenty. And uh, you know, up and he looked Fresno like he threw, State. Out his, threw out his hip or something. Uh, he got drilled the play all, before. Yeah, all Akeho had absolutely annihilated him in the ribs slash hip. And so as he's throwing this touchdown pass, he like kind of like self crumples you know, down to the ground. But, um, you know, UCLA gave up this like flag route to the right pylon, um, you know, caught right at the pylon for, for a touchdown um, to kind of fall behind again. DTR goes out nine play 75 yard drive in like two minutes um, they score and take the lead with now less than a minute left. And then Hayner is like a Portuguese soccer player at this point. Like after, I mean, he's yeah. like, he'd been over on the bench with his, you know, his eyes to the sky, just like as if he could, you know, barely breathe or, or whatever. And all of a sudden he trots back out there and he still looked, I'm not making fun of him. He, he probably was in a lot of pain, but he comes out there and makes a bunch of really solid throws. I mean, UCLA again, defensively, they just did not look like prepared for, you know, the two minute drill, like they let uh, bulldog receivers multiple times yeah, catch the ball, dodge a tackle and get out of bounds. So, you know, they just, yeah, that, you know, that, 55 seconds to go the length of the field is pretty doable, but you, you still have to get out of bounds and they did it, not it, make it hard for them. It was amazing. Cause I, I forget the receiver's name, but he caught it in the middle of the field and he somehow got yeah. out of bounds. No, there were multiple times where yeah. guys slip tackles uh, to, to get out of bounds and stop the clock and just kind of, you know, if, if you're on offense, even if you burn a timeout, I just you just feel much more in control if you're able to kind of do whatever you want, you know, play by play. And then, um, you know, they get down 14 seconds left and they run different receiver, very similar route, flag route to the pylon for a touchdown. Um so that that was there were 14 seconds left. Hayner's like doing his best. Like, what's the what's the uh, Chastain did his best. Jessica Chastain, not Chastain. Oh yeah, that Brandy. Brandy, Brandy Chastain yeah. <laughs> did his best. Brandy Chastain, fingers to the sky. Like, um, uh, DTR had a chance at a hail mary. You know, did, you know, fell short. But, um, yeah, this was not a fluky win. Uh, no, UCLA had actually actually won the turnover battle, had fewer penalties. Um, but yeah, like you said, this is the thing you said. Fresno State 
either shut down the run or UCLA failed to commit to the run. Um, yeah. Well, and it's just Chip, Chip Kelly's all about tempo, and I don't know how Fresno gets 40 more plays on you, you know. So um, we're done with Fresno State in terms of interacting with this conference. Um, other than, you know, the Pac-12 should essentially be rooting for Fresno State from here on out to make these losses look a little better in, in, in hindsight. Um, I'm going to ask you this again. Uh, 2019, Jacob Eason transfers in. Jake Hainer is kind of like a redshirt freshman. Um, hadn't taken a ton of snaps, not a ton of live snaps. It was a narrow, like, you know, he, I think Eason kind of narrowly won the job. Chris Peterson at the time said that Hainer was going to get some snaps in the first game. And Hainer was just like, no, thanks. Ripcord, I'm out and transfers before, you know, that first game. Absolutely. Did Chris Peterson make the wrong decision? Having seen what you saw from Eason and and then, uh, you know, have now seen from, from Hainer. I say this, I was never a huge Eason fan. He's painful to watch. Somehow he's in the pros. Uh, <laughs> probably going to start this weekend, but I mean, you're bringing in a guy with two years starting experience that played, well, not quite two years, but, you know, split time between two different years at Georgia. And he was coming in and he's, I mean, he's got a rocket for an arm. I mean, that's not, I mean, I think it's just easy to get dazzled by the tools. Yeah. He's six, six and a cannon for an arm. And then you've got Hayner who, I mean, obviously, Peterson saw something because he said he was going to play both of them, you know? Yeah. And he's, it's not like he's, you know, I mean, think of the quarterbacks he's, you know, he used Browning, uh, you know, for yeah. three years and Kellen going Moore. back to go back to Boise. Yeah. Kellen Moore for four years. He's kind of like, <laughs> you know, guys whose physical ceiling is, is holding a clipboard in the NFL. And, and the thing about a guy like uh, Hayner is, there was no there. Okay. I, I won't speak in absolutes, but there was nobody that was clamoring for Hayner to be the starting. Any Husky fan was like, how is Eason? You know, most people thought he was Peterson was propping up Hayner. And this just shows <laughs> that just say this, you could have had three years of this guy. Um, yeah. yeah. But you gotta, you know, uh, Peterson knew what he was doing. We'll say that. hindsight. 2020. I say 2020. Uh, okay, so we've uh, we've covered five tough losses for the South and for the conference in general. Uh, the Pac-12 North was not nearly so ambitious in their scheduling. Um, not that Northern Arizona is ambitious. UW, Tim, finally getting the win, explodes yeah. on Arkansas. Yeah, like State, I said last week, they were going to destroy them. As as you confidently predicted, this was a bounce back week. Um, I actually physically attended this game. Um, did you did you see an offense that had turned the corner, or did you see an offense that was playing Arkansas State? I saw an offense that was playing Arkansas State. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean the the not not Kate Otten, but the second tight end, uh, you know, had a really bad drop on a on a deep ball in the end zone. I mean, they weren't perfect, but they still looked sharp. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the receivers, the receivers were running free, put it that way. Glass half full, glass half full. You had McMillan, you had Davis and you had Bynum all playing, <laughs> you know, 
Um, Glass half empty. Dylan Morris threw two interceptions. Yeah, yeah. Glass half empty. Uh, McGrew finally played. No, glass half full. McGrew finally played. Glass half empty. Why wasn't he playing before? Yeah, Yeah, and he looked like his usual productive self. So, and they were saying, I mean, Lake was applauding him. You know, it's just I I don't know. Um, Something weird's happening there. Yeah, something's. Sam Heward got in. That that that's glass half full. You know, through uh, the uh, savior of Husky football. Uh, two. Yeah. Two for five for thirty-one. Yeah. Um, uh, there I, was a very audible roar when he got subbed in. People oh, yeah. were stoked. Yes. Um, I mean, Jaden McMillan, uh, ten catches, one hundred seventy-five yards. Yeah, he made yeah. a bunch of big plays. Jalen was. I think I just called him Jaden. I meant Jalen. Jeez. Um, True or false, Tim? Dylan Morris leads the Pac-12 currently in receiving uh, in passing yards. Wow, is that true? It's true. Yeah. Well, I guess it makes sense because he's. Does it though? When you look at the points they put up the first two weeks. Well, I just mean they were throwing a lot because they couldn't get they couldn't run the ball against Montana, and then they. I just mean you scored seven points and ten points. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand why he was playing so much in this game. I mean, I guess to get him rhythm, but I think I think yeah, they 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 needed to you know get on the same page with the receivers. But okay, I don't think we don't think we should spend much time talking about these these other you know these these games. But uh, Oregon forty eight to seven over Stony Brook um, got both their second and third string QBs in the game. Anthony Brown got dinged up in the second quarter. I think they just kind of held him out as a precaution. Um, Ty Thompson, who we talked about, is like kind of their, you know, lauded four or five star quarterback. You know, in the waiting in the wings, uh, he played well, which is encouraging. Um, the, I don't, I don't have much else to say. Seventeen to seven at the half. That's a little. I mean, yeah, slower they, start. Yeah, slower start. But um, also probably going to be out Justin Flo the rest of the year. I, I can't. Did we talk about that last week? I hadn't heard that. That's yeah. confirmed. Not confirmed, but I mean, there. It, it, but let me rephrase that. It's it's possible. I mean, possibly out for. Yikes! The year I could be wrong. Maybe my. Indefinitely. Uh, our, our Oregon friends could say this and be like, "Ah, you don't know anything about Oregon football." So oh, it's a significant ankle injury. So got a lane I mean, to me. To me, that's eight weeks. Yeah. You know, but. So maybe he's back in November sometime along with a certain pass rusher for University of Washington. Um, you know, I think, you know, they have Arizona next week. So if Kayvon has another week to get healthy, yeah. I think they really want him him oh. back in for conference play, obviously. A weaker opponent that they played than this past week. So they should be okay. <laughs> uh, Cal. 42 to 30 over Sacramento State. I can't believe Sacramento State scored 30. Uh, Cal clearly does not have the defense they once did. Yeah, I mean, it, it was 35-13 and 42 to 20. Um, they gave up some – the last 10 points were kind of – call them garbage time points in the fourth quarter, but it's it's Sacramento State. Like, your second string should be able to keep them off the scoreboard or at least keep limit on the field goals. Yeah, yes. Uh, like you said, the defense is – We've talked about this a couple of times, you know, in previous weeks, the, the defense, their regression is troubling. Um, not, they're going to struggle to just, you know, win shootouts, I think. So 
Yes. That's your uh, opponent this week. So. Right. Oregon State, 42 to nothing over Idaho. Um, Billy efficient on offense. Um, give Idaho State credit. They went for it on fourth down six times. They uh, converted one of those. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know. All right, I should I say I think I just said Idaho State, uh, but um, respect the Vandals. Yeah, sorry, University of Idaho, but um, yeah, yeah I, don't any, I don't have any. I don't have anything else to say about. Playing I mean, Idaho. Nolan Nolan show, showed why he should be starting. I mean, granted it is Idaho, but he's, yeah, I think he's you know barring injury, he's going to be the guy they go yeah. with the rest of the year. Okay, um, and then I think. You know, the only, you know, notable game, because like, we just covered a bunch of cupcakes. Um, whether you want to call Vandy a cupcake or not, I, I don't really, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think traveling all the way to Nashville um, to play a game. I've heard Vandy described as the least intimidating Power 5 stadium in the, in the country in terms of crowd noise and all that. Uh, but still a long trip and everything. I, I do have to say their basketball stadium, the most intimidating to me. It's a raised floor floor. Ooh. There's always the, always the risk of <laughs> yeah, to- yeah, that always toppling scares, over the edge. Scares me, so they overcompensate on one. Um game was 14 all late second quarter. Uh Stanford gets a field goal with 153 left in the first half. Three pay- threes later to get an interception. Uh, Tanner McKee has two consecutive completions, 24-4, you know, to score a touchdown. It's 24-14. Bandy goes three and out and doesn't burn any clock. Punts it to Stanford with 27 seconds left. Uh, Casey Filkins has a big punt return all the way down to Bandy's 17-yard line. yards, um, And uh, there's a few seconds left. He, I think he gets out of, out of bounds with like five seconds left. Stanford knocks in a chip shot field goal. And so it goes, it goes from being 14 all to 27, 14 in two minutes and, and going into the half, going into halftime. So that was kind of the, the stretch of the game that, you know, basically cemented the final result. Tanner McKee, another good day, 19 for 29, 218, two touchdowns, uh, also rushed for a touchdown. Um, we talked about this before Stanford was the only, only team that has had three power five non-conference games and they were all on the road. Road, Yeah. They haven't played a um, home game and like their last, was it five or six games? They have none of them. Been home. So, um, you know, obviously they, they got worked by K-State who K-State, I believe is still undefeated. Yep. Um, so, 25th in the nation. So maybe that loss, you know, doesn't look so bad in, you know, as, as time goes by, it, but, you know, three road games to start the season against Power Five competition. They went two and one. So, um, obviously, one of those was uh, was in conference, I should say. But, um, yeah, good. I, I think a really solid start for Stanford. I, yeah. think two, I think most people would have been pretty happy with two and one, yeah. especially with a conference win. Yeah. yeah. Yes. They All right, we got one other game to talk about, Tim. USC. Uh, Bounces back. They, uh, in multiple ways, they, you know, got absolutely walloped at home by Stanford last week. Go on the road to WSU. Um, can't even get off the plane, right? Did you see the pictures of the plane did, like yeah. tipped tip back? Because I don't know. I don't even know. 
they like unloaded on un, onboarded the plane they wrong the, or something. Uh, they didn't have the thing on the back. Like the... so, anyway, it's just like an embarrassing. You know, we can't even like fly like a normal team uh, when they landed in Pullman. Uh, the the way the game started, an offensive lineman committed, I believe, a false start. A really, you know, it's not like Martin Stadium's incredibly loud, but so a bad false start. Can I can I ask you quickly? Is that better or worse than the first play of last week when the kicker got ejected? Okay, well, I think <laughs> this is better. But then they they yanked the guy off the field, put in a backup. Backup immediately gives up a pass rush in which the quarterback is injured. So it's yeah. like bad, you know, Keystone Cops, bad news bears, whatever you want to call it. But you know, Slovis got his neck injured two minutes into the game. Um, Cougs immediately get on the board. They go up 14-0 eventually. Um, the backup quarterback who's subbed in, true freshman Jackson Dart, um, has throws an interception, then you know, short drive, have the punt, and then a fumble. So, like, um, things are seriously grim. Um Four minutes left in the second quarter, USC gets a three and out. <clears throat> um, and they drive 55 yards down the field. And this is where the game kind of is, again, it's still 14-0. Uh, they're on the WSU 38, fourth and nine. And they, I believe, were playing to go just take, take the points and get a field goal, try for a long field goal, like a 55-yarder. And there was a discussion on the sideline, and they decided to go for it and um, dialed up a deep bomb. Uh, again, fourth down. Um, instead of going for the first down, they just went for the end zone. Um, Gary Bryant gets a, a long reception. So USC gets on the board right before the half. Um, so that's a, a big play. And then um, immediately after halftime, USC knocks the ball loose on the kickoff and then immediately score. So now it's 14-14. Uh, and USC just gets on a roll. They had a strip sack in the end zone for a touchdown, followed by immediately by an interception and another, you know, offensive touchdown. Um, so game went from 14 to nothing to 45, 14. It's one of the more resounding comebacks. Um, Knocked out Wazoo's quarterback. Yeah. Should, should mention, you know, Delora got hurt, um, got just kind of dinged up. It was kind of unclear what exactly was wrong i think it was a leg injury but then there was like a really weird sideline shot of him it looked like he was like it looked like he was like sniffing like sniffing salts or something like yeah, that because yeah, yeah. he was like waving something in front of his face i don't know what that was um just kind of a bizarre sideline thing um and they bring in the walk-on quarterback right who holds the ball too long in the end zone you know gives up that uh, strip sack for the touchdown defensive touchdown um you know for wsu like um you know obviously they you know lost their starter in the game so did usc and so maybe you say well just usc just had better depth at the quarterback position but this this was still wsu up 14-7 at the half and and borgie we talked about you know the last couple weeks how we didn't think he was getting the ball enough they finally you know actually did given the ball a lot early. I think he got um, seven carries in the first quarter 
but first five drives after the half, Tim Borgie got two touches. I was gonna say he's he's your best he's your best offensive player. Yeah, maybe you could say um, Calvin Jackson Jr. is your best offensive player. He's a really good wide receiver, but um, yeah. I mean Borgie's the engine of this offense, and I, I just you've uh, you had not only is he your most call it reliable offensive player, but you've got an injured quarterback, why wouldn't you be pounding the rock? I just don't, I don't understand. Well, I, I, I texted a Cougar friend and he like, he, he's so frustrated about, you know, Rolovich and, and the offense making those kind of silly decisions that he, he honestly wonders is it's just Rolovich trying to get fired because he just like done. Well, you know, what's crazy is you look at, you look at uh, Borgie's first two years, it's about 200 carries and it's about uh, a hundred and uh, about 140 catches. Right. Mm-hmm. Granted COVID times he's run the ball 43 times and he's had four catches like different offenses. The running shoots different than the uh, air race. He's a really effective uh you know, really, he's really effective catching the ball in the backfield. You're just saying they're not using him in that way. Yeah, I mean, he has one catch last year, but that was a weird year. But they played three games, and he's had three catches. He didn't have a catch this game. And yeah, we, I mean, in our preview, I mean, we were both referring to him as a poor man's McCaffrey. No, I refer to him as that, and you accuse me of some sort of um, racism, lack of lack of colorblindness. I don't yes. know what the word. Yeah, is. well, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're a jerk, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, no arguments here. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it's just like, I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's just, yeah, he needs a, I mean, part of, part of coaching is not being so stuck to your system that you can't get the, you know, put your players in a position to succeed. And he's, he's quick and strong and like, you want him out there on the edge against a safety or a corner. Like that's where he's going to make a man miss or just, or, or stiff arm somebody and make a play. You don't really want him running between, you know, off center. So, I mean, he was, he was dangerous in those apple cups. I mean, when he had Gardner, Gardner Minshew, he's a good player. He's, he's, he's got a really nice blend of speed and, and power and, they're just not they're not Bill using Belichick is going to love him in New England next year. <laughs> but uh, I mean but but really I mean to the to the Rolovich point I mean I Cougar fans are done with this dude. I mean yeah. They there were so many people, I mean media people on Twitter that are Wazoo alums calling for <laughs> calling for Rolovich's head. He did the post-game interviews, you know, and he does them on Zoom and he's like looking down and they said they're going to need like a media. I can't remember what the, what the term is, a media coach. And it's not coach, but like a media trainer. Like, I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes maybe being at a Mountain West school is all you should, uh, you know, it's, what's the Peter principle, right? I mean, this guy, I, I don't know. It is it's amazing to see how far over his head is. I mean, I don't know if he's worse than Paul Wolf, but he's, he's, he's hitting Wolfie in levels. Yeah. Uh, jumping back to USC, I think, you know, going forward, you've got an interim head coach who's now got 
something of a quarterback controversy to deal with. Uh, Jackson Dart looked really good. Uh, and I think first, you know, last season we talked about Slovis throwing really bad picks because he's like dialed in on one receiver and not spread, you know, trying to just like force the ball to Drake London and, and throwing bad interceptions and not that Jackson Dart didn't turn the ball over, but he spread the ball around like 10 different receivers for a, a true freshman to come in on the road in the rain and spread the ball around like that. Just I, I, he, he breathed the, some like life in this offense that was just super stagnant and i can't imagine that harrell called a completely different game no i doubt he, it. he's just he's just like got his eyes downfield and instead of just focusing on getting to the sticks so i don't know i you know dante williams has some decisions to make now i think um you know one thing they didn't do well is they didn't protect him well I th- they they called several like design runs and I think it was like, okay, we got this athletic guy. Let's just like let him run the ball a little bit and kind of just get him. Well, he was, he was um, a leading rusher, which for a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think they, the thought was like, let's just get this guy like in, you know, in flow and then we'll start letting him throw. But they kept doing it. And like, you're already on your backup quarterback, man. You can't, you can't do a bunch of design runs and, and expose this kid to, to an injury. Um, but he was in a knee brace second in the second half. And um, it's kind of, it sounds like he might not be a full go for this week. So it might, might not really be a quarterback controversy this week against Oregon state because he might not be healthy enough. And Slovis's neck seems to not be an issue. So it's, it looks like the wind's blowing towards Slovis starting, but we'll see. And you, and you all refer to him now as Anakin Skywalker. Is that what uh, you were trying to say? Uh, yeah. So he's, Jackson Dart has an interesting um, eye black aesthetic he's chosen for his eye black. We'll see if it continues. Um, yeah. I don't, is it cultural appropriation if it's uh, uh, alien life form? Alien. Hi. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so I think we've, I think we've covered the action. Um, but just a recap here uh, non conference isn't totally over, right? So USC. Uh, and Stanford both still have Notre Dame coming up, yeah. and then uh, USC and the Cougs both still have to play the third, you know, the Pac-13 <laughs> foe BYU. The, the South leading, <clears throat> yeah, the three and O in the South BYU. So there I, are that'll so, be the only time I make that joke today, I promise. But I think that you know, um, you've got uh, it's, it's at least a decent stop, point in the season to just like recap non-conference games. U.S. Uh, sorry, Pac-12, 16 and 16 in non-conference. Just to run it down here, <laughs> 0 and 3 against BYU. That hurts. Um, I, don't, I think we talked about those. Those are, you know, especially because those games were lost by you know turnover battle. Um, Multiple FCS th- losses. One, one and three against the Big Ten. Yeah. 0 and two against the Big 12. Two and one against the SEC. Uh, wins over Vandy and LSU. Um, so if you add up those three conferences, our, the Power Five records three and six, not great. Six and two against the Big Sky. So that should always be eight and zero. That should always be an O in the loss column. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, two losses the Big Sky. One and zero against Colonial. One and zero against Sun Belt. Five and five against Mountain West. Um. 
what grade would you give that, Tim? Like, we're not quite in the midterm season yet. Let's call this like uh, maybe the first, you know, written assignment, five-page paper. What grade do you give that? Unequivocally, there you go. There's a big word for you. Uh, it's an F. Absolutely an F. There's... I think it's the D minus. No, no. You... I, I would like to look at the, I mean, this is a deep dive, but I bet a power five conference has rarely, if ever gone 500 or worse in their non-conference slate. I mean, they just can't win these cupcake. I mean, you, you even said so yourself, it should be eight. No. And they lost. I'm not sure that the ACC is much better than 500 this year. Yeah, that's what I say. They got they got FSU 0 and 3 with a loss to Jacksonville State. That's right? fair. That's fair. But I mean, they went 16 and 16. Like that's that and, the reason and I'm the reason I'm gonna, you know, it's like uh what's the it's from Tommy Boy where he, Chris Farley comes in and it's like D plus. Yeah, I pass. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's a D minus because you have Oregon's. You know, I think you have two huge wins for the conference with, you know, with Oregon beating Ohio State as the biggest non-conference game in this whole list. And, and they got the win. Um, it means that there's still a Pac-12 team alive for the playoff. And then UCLA with a big win. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that everything was roses. It's a D minus, Tim. I'm not, you know, yeah, handing I, I out, handing not. out a blue, handing out a blue ribbon here, but. Uh, I think it's still a barely passing grade. I see what you're trying to do and I don't like it. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, I, I, I can understand it. Yeah. It's hard to, maybe I'm being a little too critical by, because that Oregon win is the, I mean, we're a half, we're a half grade apart, Tim. I mean, we're not, we're not. Yeah. That's true. Violently. I, I would also say this. I mean, okay. Yeah. It's, it's six and two against Big Sky, which is embarrassing. But you just said five and five against the Mountain West, zero oh and three versus BYU. I mean, that. Yeah. I mean that is that is. I don't have a lot of hopes for the Cougs beating the Cougs again. You know, beating BYU against um, against non-conference but, schools on the West Coast. They were eleven and ten. Is that my is my math I, right? One game. I, I think that I think what we have to look at is look. This was this was uh, the first the first uh, the midterm. Does and, it change uh, the na- nation's perception? Do those wins against LSU and Ohio State has that changed the nation's perception of the Pac-12? No. So then, how do we pass? How are you giving them a passing grade? Because there's a. We are failures. We are no better than the Mountain West. There's a fourth ranked. Well, I would say we are better or equal to the ACC. Um, not that that's our our bar. So, um, and or, or there's there's the and there's there's still four non-conference games. If if USC can and Stanford can beat Notre Dame, if <laughs> if I mean Notre Dame is not exactly at their peak this year, at least not yeah, so far. But so. I mean. USC and Stanford are great at uh, losing to Notre Dame in, in recent memory. In recent memory, yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I think I think this, this 
then this next question answers itself. It's the question we've been asking many every week. Are the like you just said, are their playoff chances better or worse this week? Um, much, much worse is the answer. Um, I think I think the the biggest blow was UCLA losing to Fresno State. Yes. And and that was a tight loss to a now ranked team. But um, to go into conference play with only one undefeated team, that's just it's just gonna be tough. It's gonna be war of attrition. You know, every every conference game adds a loss to someone's you know, uh old record. Um I think, you know, Utah, your 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 predicted conference champion, you know, they're them taking a second loss is also a, a tough blow. Still won the conference, um, baby. They're still won the conference. Yeah, they're still, you know, undefeated in the conference. Um and then I think just, you know. A second FCS loss is just brutal. Um, so I'm not saying any of anyone other than Oregon has a realistic shot no, at being. Oregon's the only I'm, team that has a shot. I'm not saying that, but ASU lost by ten on the road to a ranked team. If ASU runs the table, I'm not expecting that based on how they're playing. But if ASU runs the table, it's not impossible. Yeah, but here's the, the problem with that. If BYU runs the table, BYU's got that win. They're not going to jump BYU. And so BYU takes that slot. Right. But, but, then, if, but BYU, if BYU loses, that loss has been downgraded. If BYU is 11-1 and one and ranked 10th in the country, yeah. then, you know, so I'm just saying hypothetically. Um, you know, similarly... I think, like we said, I think you you root for BYU and Fresno to make those out of conference games, those out of conference losses, look better over the next six eight weeks. I'm coming That's, across as the negative person. And then you also root for K State to to when destroy the big, the destroy the Big Twelve and make Stanford's loss look better. And I guess you root for LSU to win the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Anyway, I just I just think. Uh, there, you know, if if ASU had a three percent chance of being in the playoff, you know, it's less than one percent now. But there is still a chance for these one-loss teams. You know, UCLA, if they play lights out the rest of the way, and Fresno's a ranked team, you know, it's well, not inconceivable. And they finish their season, they finish the season with a win over Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, uh, and un, you know, previously undefeated Oregon. Let me let me ask you this. Um... It's. I'm saying it's early, and well, and there's, that, a, there's a lot of there's a lot of undefeated teams, Tim. That's very soon, very very soon, there will not be that many undefeated. That, teams. That's kind of my question for you, because when Oregon comes up to Seattle and loses to Washington for their one loss of the year, <laughs> um, and uh, you no, can talk but, to your co-host next week about that, Tim. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but when okay, hypothetically, Oregon loses one game later in the year. Ohio State loses, only has their one loss. They both win their conferences. Uh, and like they're fighting for the fourth spot, right? Who third of the fourth spot? Is it when Ohio State lost, does that help them? Or does the fact that Oregon didn't have, and these are hypotheticals, I know, does Oregon not having uh, Thibodeau and Flo, does that help them? I don't see how it matters because. 
they're undefeated. So no, no, I'm saying if they lose is what I'm saying. If they, no. if, if them and Ohio State are both one loss teams, but Ohio State got their loss out early, it shouldn't matter. But I think you know the the thing that Ohio if Ohio State only has one loss in, to Oregon, Ohio State is going to have a lot more quality wins uh, to add up. You know they'll have they'll they'll have wins over ranked teams from the big 10. And I think their overall strength of schedule would probably be stronger than Oregon's, but we'll see. Well, that's why the playoff needs to expand. Okay. Good talk. All right. Um, Jumping forward. We're moving into conference. We're moving into, you know, conference play. Well, before we do that, I looked, I looked, we want our hot seat rankings. Uh, We can do hot seat rankings. Let's do it. Okay. I have two new entrants in the hot seat rankings. I just shuffled the cards. I got the same three guys as last week. I don't. I have uh, entering at number three this week, Carl Durrell. I, it's year two, just because I of how bad their offenses look. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's I think he's got a. I think he can always. I don't think so because I think you could just put the OC on on the. That's true. Uh, on the altar to sacrifice them. Yes. Okay. No new number two. And he was he was the Pac-12 coach of the year last year. He, everyone was ecstatic with how well they played last year. Yeah. Well, so. last year is not this year. Um, number two is Jed Fish. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. That Jed Fish. You got to get that seat a little warm. You know. These are not his players. I. I, I think if if they go winless. To northern and. Arizona. I think as long as he's got a decent recruiting class cobbled together, I think he's he's fine. Because okay. everyone understands that these are not his guys. And number one, Jimmy Lake. No, just kidding. Uh, Nick Rolovich. I, I think Rolovich is, has shot up to number one on my rankings. Mm-hmm. I still have Jimmy Lake feeling the heat, man. I mean, their yeah. only win is Arkansas State. So. Yeah. Well, wow. uh, my number two and number three are, are playing each other this week with uh, Jimmy Lake and Justin Wilcox facing off. So uh, I think Rolovich just the the toxic environment with the COVID stuff. Yes. And then and then just how they kind of crumbled this past week at home, and in my mind, just what seems like obvious strategic errors. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think. I think he's giving, starting to give them reasons that are on the field to go with the other stuff. Um, okay. So, do we do we we're give jumping our, in the? Or do we give our awards no. for last week? No. No, we want to no, go into conference yet. play. Shouldn't we wrap up the previous week and then <laughs> and then talk about the following week? What I want to talk about is okay. We're going into conference play. Five biggest games. In. In the conference. Oh, I have um, eight for you. I, I do I have eight. I have seven for you. I wrote down like nine games. Yeah. Uh, but I'm only going to talk about five, and then we can talk about also rants. So how about I? How about I? I go, and then you tell me what I got wrong. Okay. Okay. Is that cool? That's cool. Uh, number five, November twenty seventh, the Beavs at Oregon to end the season. That is on my list. Oregon State's been really efficient and balanced on offense. Um, you know, or Oregon's playing well. The one thing, you know, that's maybe concerning is that they're still 
um, given up a decent chunk of points to quality competition. So I think this could be a dangerous game. Oregon State beat them last year. I, I think that it's a much tougher row to hoe uh, in Eugene, which is where it'll be. The ESPN predictor gives Oregon currently an 88%, 88% chance of winning this game. Um, but it's a rivalry game. Anything goes. And, you know, I think this could be, uh, you know, the North could be between these two teams. Uh, John, I, Wilner, I, John Wilner agrees. I heard him quoted today as saying he thinks it will be the Beavs are could be the number two team in the uh, North. All right. Um, next, my, my number four game, October 23rd, again, Oregon at UCLA. I think, you know, prior to UCLA stubbing their toe, this might have been the number one game. I think the only thing, the only thing holding it back is it's not in the division. So either of these teams could that, lose this game, still win and still win the division. I think yeah, that was in, in my mind, these look like the two best teams in the conference. And so that's why it's not higher on the list, but this should be a really fun game. It's at UCLA. Currently ESPN says Oregon with a 64% chance of winning. Man. Chipper's revenge was the best team he's had since. Yep, and then, yeah, there's some good storylines as well. Yeah, and uh, Crystal Ball probably uh, visits some local high schools while he's uh, down in down in Southern California. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, he might be interviewing for his next job, as I said. <laughs> um, number three, uh, this coming, you know, not this weekend, but the following weekend, October second, ASU at UCLA. I think I do not have that. Uh, this is this is an elimination game in my mind for um the south i think the loser of this game is you know gonna have a really steep climb in the south and and i'm looking at you know you know the third team in the mix for me in the south is usc and usc does not have to play oregon or washington so you know asu and ucla have just tougher schedules and so whoever loses this game is going to be not to say that they'll be done, but uh, it'll be just a tougher climb for them to put mm-hmm. in the South. Number two, uh, another kind of end of season rivalry game, USC uh, hosting UCLA. I have, uh, I, you know, who knows? Like UC, USC is like kind of along with Stanford might be the biggest Jekyll and Hyde team in the conference at this point. And who knows gonna be, what's the starter, you know, who the starter is going to be, who knows, you know, if if a hire has already been announced and the staff is de- you know not really motivated because they think they're all going to get canned, who know, who knows what's going to be the situation at USC come come November? But right now, um, I think those these are the two best teams in the South. Um, you know, I, I think Utah has looked weaker than we thought. Um, we were both counting on Charlie Brewer being a really solid quarterback. And he's no longer <laughs> on their roster. And, and ASU has just looked so sloppy. So these, these to me, this seems like the game to decide the South, but we'll see. My number one, uh, I, I think, talked about Oregon State, Oregon. I think the other game that's going to decide the North, in my opinion, is Oregon at Stanford uh, on October 2nd. Um, you know, will, will Kayvon be, be healthy? Can he go get Tanner McKee off his spot? Oregon currently has 75% chance to win this game. Um, you know, I think the obvious omission here, I did not have 
Yeah. You know, or Oregon yeah, at you're, UW. You're, yeah, there's a few in here that you uh, don't. But have I to. don't. I don't think Oregon's gonna struggle with UW. I'll be honest. Wow. What 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 game am I missing, or what game am I wildly overrating overrating here? Tim? Um. No, I don't think. I, I mean. Um... I mean, so you had uh, Arizona State and UCLA. UCLA. I mean, isn't that just Washington at Stanford in Week Nine? <laughs> I mean, that's 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 kind of the same game, in my opinion. Mm, I would say it's more the equivalent of that for me is Stanford at Oregon State. To me, that's like who's going to challenge. You know, the winner of that game is is emerges as the challenger to to Oregon. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have I don't have you. I have you, Dub. They look like the fourth best team in the division right now. Yeah. Base. Yeah, I mean, it's still tough. I mean, I I don't have much. They can change that. They yeah, that's what I mean. That's, that. Like that, that's the tough part of it because week one you were out on Stanford, and yeah, I mean, and Stanford, I mean. I don't know. Hey, it's, week it's, two, you were out on UW. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I know. I'm, I'm out on UW, too. I'm just saying it's – it's. I, I don't know. I mean, Arizona State at UCLA, to me, that's – I mean, I'm saying that game to me is no different than Washington at Stanford. Okay. Uh, I would say a more intriguing game to me would be Utah at SC in week six. The other thing is Apple Cup. You know, is are, is one or both of those coaches playing for their job? Yeah, that's true. Well, that, yeah, yeah, that's. I don't expect Lake to be playing for his job, but we'll see. Well, no, that's the thing. No, I, I mean to be. I don't know. I just, it's, it, it is funny to see what kind of uh, strides teams can make. Um, you know. Uh, I don't, I don't have much faith in UW. I'm just saying, to me, Arizona State and UCLA seems very, very much Washington and Stanford. So that would be all right. We're at about the what, Tim? Our, our ten mark. Yes. Uh, let's uh, let's go to conference awards. Okay. Now I think you, you you mentioned Drake London as offensive player of the week a couple of weeks ago. Or, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily agree that week. I think I had CJ Verdell that week. I have him this week. He had an even bigger game, probably his biggest game uh, statistically as a Trojan. 13 catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns. Well, let's let, let, let's be fair with these awards. This was a tough week for awards. <laughs> there was only – I don't disagree with you on – well, I do disagree. I don't think so. Maybe Maybe for offensive player of the week, this wasn't a great week. But I think for the other war, uh, the other awards. Well, I, I just more. mean, how do you give awards when, you know, half the conference, over half the conference is playing the sisters of the poor, and can you really spotlight? Agreed. That? Most, I, I did, I did not consider players uh, in those game in the cupcake games. And yeah, you don't consider the cupcake games, and then really, like, can you really have a player of the week in a game that your team? Um, not your team, but uh, some teams lost that non-conference games that you lost to an inferior sure. opponent. So I I went with Dart for my player of the week. Okay. 
just uh, he for a freshman. I mean, certainly the freshman player of the week on the road, um, you know, 390 plus yards. Um, I think the, my main thing for not giving to him was the three turnovers, but, but yeah. yes, turnovers, but still was down 14 and 38, know. you know, 38 offensive points. Um, yeah. Nice, nice game. Uh, we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens if, if he's even on the field this coming week. Uh, defensive player of the week, I did Devin Lloyd. Uh, he's leading the conference in tackles by a pretty wide margin. He has a really nice game in the loss for Utah. 13 tackles, two TFLs, and he actually recovered two separate fumbles. Um, honorable mention, but disqualified because of the competition. Uh, Verone McKinley, the third of Oregon, did have two interceptions against Tony Brook. Yeah, and that's that's what's tough. I went with I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth. I had uh, Quantrez Knight on UCLA, a DB, nine tackles, six of them solo, a sack, two tackles for loss. They lost and, though, you know. Yeah, but, you do not want your DBs to stuff in the tackle stat sheet, but yes, yes. Okay, special teams. Did you say you have two? T- I have multiple. I, have I had several. Um, actually, I was tempted to pick a punter for the third straight week, but I yeah, didn't. No, no. Uh, Britton Covey, guy that I said should be getting the ball more for Oregon or sorry for Oregon for Utah. Um, one kick return for 25 yards, six punt returns for 132, including an 80 yard touchdown. I think that was a, a big play, yeah, for, for Utah. Well, I went with uh Joshua Cardi on uh Stanford. Two for two on field goals. Hit a 46-yarder. Five for five on extra points. Also, Parker Lewis um, didn't get thrown out this week. (laughs) Um, Had a fumble recovery and hit six extra points and a field goal. Hey, that's not bad. It it also should bear mention, another honorable mention, uh, Colorado's punter, Josh Watts. Eight punts, average 52 yards. Nice. Longest, long of 62 in Colorado. So maybe yeah. you, you know, high elevation. But. A lot of practice. Uh, coach of the week. I'm going to give it to Dante Williams. Um, you know, there's a lot of coaches that lost this week, so they're not going to get it. There was four coaches, four, six coaches lost, four other coaches played cupcakes. So it was basically Dante Williams or David Shaw. Um, yeah. So I went with Dante. Well, I and, I, and, and I would say, First first game as the head coach, having the stones to go for it on fourth and nine in the first half, uh, and and kind of flipping the game around on that play, uh, I think that you know merits a. I a, a I will uh, I will um, have to say someone that I have spoke ill of for the last few weeks. Uh, I'm going to give Jimmy Lake coach of the week. Yeah, I see your eyes got wide there. And I'll Give tell me you a why. break. I'll tell you why. No, no, no. I thought they were going to lose the game, and they destroyed them. And a team that only had 17 points total scored 52. I will give credit where credit is due. I For destroying your wildly overreactive low expectations. Uh, I think that was anybody's low expectations. They were predicted to uh, do what they did. Now, do I think that will happen? No. I'm going to give him – this is like a little uh, little morsel I'll give him this week. Okay. Uh, goat of the week. I'm going to say Jaden Redding, Utah's kicker. 
missed the PA, missed the PAT in regulation, which didn't ultimately cost them. It just forced them to go for two, which they, you know, got at the end of the game. Um, and then missed a, a chip shot in overtime that, you know, would have, in retrospect, would have won them the game. Yeah. Uh, just the whole Arizona football team. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I mean, they, they were down the last 20 minutes of that game to Northern Arizona, who is not good at all. Freshman yeah. quarterback at Northern Arizona. Like, eggs. Yeah. All right. We, new category this week. We added a new category. Yeah. Uh, Pac-12 alumni NFL player of the week. Yes. Um, before we dive in, one quick excursion. Yeah. Uh, which two teams, Tim, do you think had the most – which two Pac-12 teams do you think had the most NFL players on NFL rosters for kind of opening week for the NFL a couple weeks ago? If I were to take a guess, uh, I mean, University of Washington from the Peterson era. Yes, tw- uh, co-leader with 24 players. And then I would guess SC? Uh, you're it's close it's geographically. Stanford? It's UCLA. UCLA. Wow, okay. Uh, both of those teams close. had 24. USC – next on the list with 23 and you're right stanford with 22 yeah uh who would you guess are the two uh least represented pac-12 teams i know jake luton's in the nfl so oregon state at least has one player uh washington state and oregon state the two geographically (laughs) washington state and arizona you know what i was just Uh, arizona arizona has seven players in the nfl washington state had five as I was saying that, I was about to say Arizona. Yeah. Now you watch more NFL than me. Who's yeah. your NFL player of the week? Do you have one? Well, um, or would you like me to? Would you like me to go first? No, I can give you a couple. Uh, Jared Goff in the first half of the game against the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. He actually, actually, uh, actually looked like an NFL, uh, NFL quarterback. Um, you know, it's. It is, uh, I mean, Buda Baker, eight tackles, two for loss, seven solo tackles. I mean, he is earning that, earning that contract. And then um, a team that I'm high on, the Carolina Panthers, Sam Darnold, he turned it over uh, once with an interception, but threw for 305 yards and two touchdowns against a defense that shredded Aaron Rodgers the previous week. So those are my... Uh, those are solid. Those are good. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll throw in uh, Jalen Johnson, second year cornerback from Utah, uh, had two tackles, but four passes defended for the Bears in their win over the Bengals. Yep. That's 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 great corner play. Yeah. All right. Going into the picks, Tim. Yes. We are. Um, we both went seven and four in conference last week and two and one out of conference. Uh, you were overly uh, negative on the dogs and picked them to somehow. Wow blow a 17 point spread well, of the week this week you know uh but then you rightly called san diego state to beat utah uh, which i did not so uh we, we tied in conference um and and we're even and out of conference so uh for the season you're ahead you're 22 and 11 two games ahead in uh conference play i'm uh six and three and three games ahead out of conference um no Thursday, Friday games. Everything's on Saturday, just the way it should be. Uh, WSU, the Cougs, reeling, maybe. Yeah. Now have to head on the road to face uh, Utah, who's 
Um, not exactly feeling their best either. Utah's 14-point home favorites, though. Oh, I would take Utah. And Utah and the points. <laughs> mm. uh, I mean, both teams kind of have a muddled quarterback situation just because Dolores not, doesn't seem like he's fully healthy. Um, you know, <clears throat> I, I think, you know, Cam Rising hasn't shown a ton of tape, so it's not enough to be super confident. And, you know, it took him, it took him a quarter and a half or so to really get going last week. So maybe he, you know, keeps that full head of steam, but I just, I think it could be closer than 14. Can I, tell you I, I have, I have, I have Utah winning. Um, Can I, tell you I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the Cougs are ready to pack it in just yet. Please tell me something. Rolovich has coached seven games at Wazoo. Four of them, they have been up double digits and they lost all those games. Thanks. Yeah. So. Um, I, I guess to me, the, the difference there is I at least trust, Utah to give the ball to their best players, and I'm not so sure. That about would be, yeah. Um, UCLA minus four and a half at Stanford. Last year, this was like a double overtime, 48-47 kind of thriller where Chip Kelly went for two in double OT. Thought his team was kind of run out of gas, and Britton Brown got stuffed. So um, very tight last year. Um, Stanford kind of on a roll. What do you think? Um, you know, Stanford first home game in a while. I think the easy way to say it is look at like, oh my gosh, one team's trending one way, one's going the other way after a loss. I think UCLA gets back on track. They figure out they need to give the ball to their playmakers more. And uh, I think UCLA wins it. Yeah, I mean, the stats might be a little skewed because Stanford's had such better competition than several teams in the Pac-12, but they are currently the the league's worst rush defense giving up 211 in the game i think ucla pounds the rock and, and gets the win yeah. but I, that's what i think but I, I could also see you know i wouldn't be shocked to see tanner mckee have a nice game and you know dtr can be pretty mercurial so if he's if yes. he goes cold no i mean when right. we were, when, i mean if you asked me that a half hour ago i probably would have picked stanford <laughs> yeah okay all right so we're both we're both uh same pick so far. Yeah. Cal at UW. Huskies favored by seven and a half. Uh, UW typically struggled with the Wilcox uh, Golden Bears, but I don't have much faith in the Huskies, but I do have faith this week. <laughs> just I just think uh, as bad as the Huskies' offenses look, this is a team that they should be able to score on. Yeah, with, with as bad as you know, Cal's defense has been. So, Cal, I think I think some of the momentum carries over from Arkansas State, and and I I don't mean this to be funny. Cal's defense is more Arkansas State than it is Montana. This uh, I think I think the the loser of this game has a chance to take the you know be sitting at the top of the hot seat rankings. Oh, I think week, so. so. I think so. Yeah. Arizona at Oregon, Oregon, 28 and a half point favorites. I think Oregon covers in this game. I think so too. Um, and I, yeah, I don't even think it's much of a game. Obviously if it's 28 and a half and they think we cover it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
really interesting game. I think Oregon State at USC. USC favored by twelve. Kind of kind of surprised by the size of that spread. I mean, USC's at home, but you don't even really know for for the oddsmakers to have that level of a spread when you don't even know who the starting quarterback is for USC. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be a twelve point win. I, I think. Um, yeah, I don't think the Beavs will win by twelve, but I think they'll win. No, sorry. You think the Bees will win? I agree with you. Okay, I think SC wins, but it's like a, a nail biter. Um, and and you know, like Chance Chance Nolan's been taking care of the ball. Yeah. So I think if if he does a good job there, I, I, it's not at all. I don't I don't understand the twelve point spread. Uh, to me, this is like a, a six point game at my most. So I, I'm picking USC to win. But I, like I'll say this: the Clay four, four, four points or four points or less. Clay Helton's DNA is still all over this team, and uh, it's been a typically undisciplined team. You, you think the Boo Birds are going to be out in the Coliseum? No, I don't know if the Boo Birds will be, but I see a lot of uh, we smoked those. We smoked that team, Washington State. You know, we're, we're riding high on, what, 45 straight points and uh, maybe overlooking the Oregon State team. That's. I just wonder, I also wonder if, if Keaton Slovis is out there because he's the only healthy quarterback. That's another. And they go three and out a couple of times. What, I just, I'm not sure that they, I don't know. He, he, he gave Jackson Dart a kiss on the cheek last week. Maybe, maybe just. Uh, Dante Williams just needs to give Keaton Slovis a kiss to get him going. <laughs> um, all right, Colorado at ASU, Arizona State minus 14 and a half. Yeah, I, uh, I think ASU has enough weapons on defense to kind of, you know, chase down Colorado's quarterback. I just, I, I don't see the offensive line play has been, I think Colorado looks like they have the worst offensive line in the conference other than maybe Arizona. So, well, and Colorado state, I mean, their last, have all their games been, have they had all their games at home? Week one, um, where was week one for them? Uh, but they have their last two. They, yeah. Colorado's not played a road game yet. So, they haven't left home. Yeah. So that will be, they played Northern Colorado, but yeah. So yeah, they're okay. Yeah. So we're pretty aligned, but you you got the Beavs beating USC. Yep. And then it, it was your job to pick our non-conference games, Tim. Yes. So I have uh, two obvious ones and uh, one not so obvious one for you. But I might throw in a third one, but we'll just see. Um, well, I'll let you decide. Um, okay, so first one, number 12, Notre Dame, 3-0, and at number 18, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh. I like Wisconsin. I picked against Notre Dame. I'm going to keep picking against them until I get one right. Yeah. Bro- broken clocks, right? At least twice, twice well, a day. At least twice. I mean, and you think about it. I mean, Notre Dame um, beat Purdue, but how good is Purdue? We don't really know. And they're squeaking by. Wisconsin had one, a weird early season bye, so they've yeah. only played two games. Um, you know, and they they got. It looks like Penn State has a really good defense, so maybe no shame in getting you know shut down by Penn State. Uh, their only other game that they've put on on film is against Eastern Michigan, so you know 
still a lot of uncertainties with with regards to Wisconsin, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Paul Chris, right? Yep. He's got he, he he fields a solid team. I I'm I'm thinking this is the week. I think this is yeah Wisconsin. So next next game for you, an SEC battle. Number seven Texas A&M three and at number sixteen Arkansas three and Five uh, point home dogs. Yeah, that's, I, I like Arkansas. I like Mr. Sam Pittman firing up his boys at home. We agree too much, but I agree with you. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm just not sold on a and I mean, we're not, we're not frequently right, but we agree when in, <laughs> in our poor prognostications. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, A&M is, has not been explosive offensively and Arkansas can run the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, like I said, A&M did not look good against Colorado and Colorado just, it looks like an awful team. Um, so I'll give you two games, two other games that I thought about that we didn't make the cut. Nebraska two and two at number twenty, Michigan State. Um, I, I'm surprised it's only a five point spread. I think Michigan State's gonna—they're like one of the best rushing teams in the country right now. Yeah, I think they're just gonna pound the rock. The big win against Miami last weekend. Um, number fourteen, Iowa State at two and one at Baylor. Baylor. Ooh, Dave Aranda with his first big showcase game of the season. Yeah. Um, Iowa State did not look good against Iowa. No, but it doesn't really matter. Granted, that was two weeks ago. But Yeah. Those... I don't have a great feel on this one. Not that it matters. But, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to haphazardly pick Baylor. Baylor, yeah. That's, that's a good one. Now, I'm going to ask you, do you want to pick a big – 10 game or a big 12 game? Because those are my final mm. two. Big 12. Okay. No, uh, big big 10, because I just did a big 12. One. Okay. We'll, we'll do it. So the other big 12 game, number 25, wait, wait. Kansas State 3 0 at Oklahoma State 3 0. That was another game that I thought about. Um, what's the spread? Six home team, Oklahoma State favored by six. Hmm. I think Oklahoma State got a really shady win against yeah. Boise State last week. There was like a really controversial play. Yeah. And so I'm I'm gonna pick K State. Call All me right. crazy. I, I know I think I think that's a good pick. The the game that we will officially count. Okay. What were you gonna say? No, I was okay. So the games that officially count are AM, Arkansas, yeah, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Undefeated Rutgers at number 19, Michigan. Michigan, 20-point favorites. Oh, I, I have Michigan in this one. I assume that you picked this because you, you actually think Shiano could pull off a win. Yeah. There we go. Okay. You think we agree too much? Nah. The Scarlet Knights <laughs> of Rutgers, baby. All right. Gutsy. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Tim, you know our, our audience doesn't uh yet no but we will have a guest host in my in my stead next week um, hopefully if they agree to no it. we will we will well, they've officially it's been, agreed it's been confirmed all right yeah um so we'll have uh an oregon duck fan uh to kind of give a, a fresh perspective and stop uh us focusing you know help help diversify our focus a little bit yes and hopefully troll troll you pretty hard about 
Um, yes. Adding another ducks white versus, ducks versus dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, did do do their terrible picks count as your picks, or am I going against somebody else? Mm, I think they should. I think they should make picks, but I don't think it should count for mine. No, no I'll, 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 I'll count. I'll, no, no, it doesn't count. I, I have, I have, I have confidence in. No, he'll, no, he'll no, be better than me. Count. Doesn't count as yours. But uh, oh, you're scared to go against Nate. I see. No, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll. You know what? He can bring his whole family against the picks, and I'll be. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, well, right. that, that will, first uh, first real week of conference play. It'll be fun to start seeing how uh, how these teams kind of start racking and stacking. Yeah, and how the North and South start shaping up. Yeah, it will be. Well, that was that was a great week. Uh, we'll be we'll have less games to talk about <laughs> and and uh, going on. So we'll uh, we'll have our hot seat rankings and uh, yeah, all that stuff. Well, we will look forward to our guest host. Enjoy your week off. Thank you. And it's, this has been uh, Best Coast Football.